So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales, or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds, like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on. But when it's like, oh, we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening. It's like very different. (laughs) And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era historical fiction for you, Sam, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. Dipsystories.com slash just break up. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like not wanting to be a mom, (laughs) trying to control our parents, and breakups. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that uh, Sierra and I are not licensed mental health professionals. We didn't go to school for any of that stuff. Right. Uh, we we just um, have microphones and opinions and that's enough for us. Yes. And our opinions are ours. They don't have to be yours. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings. So hopefully shed some understanding. Hopefully, literally just hopefully shed some understanding. But if not, that's cool too. And maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. Sam, mm. you have this week's check-in topic. I do. It's inspired by a great letter that we got from a student or a teacher whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing from Struggle Bus. Um, and she was listening to one of our episodes and I said something around, I would love to push towards discomfort in most things, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that discomfort is a is a teacher. It allows us to learn and to grow. Um And a student or a teacher shared their experience um, around being with a partner who wanted to do some um, sexual things that were um, outside of her comfort zone. Um, And she sort of took it, took that advice really uh, to heart and 
wanted to lean into discomfort and try not to be uh, sex negative or kink shame and sort of um, pushing that into. And eventually it was like, I actually really regret the things that I did because I lost autonomy over my body. I did things that I was deeply uncomfortable with. And um, it ended up like really affecting me and really sort of ending this relationship that I was in. Um, and so she also talks about this thing because she's a teacher around productive struggle versus unproductive struggle, right? Where productive struggle is when a student is like doing a math problem and it's really challenging, but they have the scaffolding and support that they need so that it's actually like helping them learn and grow versus unproductive struggle when they're really struggling and they don't see a way out. They don't know what to do. They don't have the right tools. And so it actually like makes them think that they can't do it mm. or that it's like they're not smart or whatever it is. Right. Um, and so I thought we could just have a conversation about like, where are the lines between like leaning into discomfort slash having boundaries around what is okay and isn't okay, or like what are the what are like the tools or the resources we need to have in place in order to be able to lean in discomfort into discomfort in a way that's like growth oriented rather than like punishment or like self-effacing oriented? Um, and like it's a really complicated question. And I'm so thankful that this person wrote into us with their experience and like their perspective on it, um, because I immediately upon reading this letter was like, I want to talk to Sierra about mm. this because I think that there's so much to unpack here. Yes, totally. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love this check-in topic. And I second Sam's sentiment of like, thank you for like engaging us in such a thoughtful question. Uh, first want to say really quickly, and obviously with the utmost importance, we're sorry that that happened to you. We're sorry that, th that mm. you felt that sense of loss of autonomy because that's one, so real, really scary, can be very, you know, bodily. It can, it can affect you mentally. And we just want to say sorry, and we see that pain, and we see that experience, um, and and yeah, that's like it's like a hard experience to sort of process and swallow sometimes. Um, For sure. I also like just on another like broad comment. I love this check-in topic, and it reminds me of some stuff that I've seen in the Facebook group, and that I've thought of myself of like, you know, we live in a in an era where self-reflection is, thank God, like very uh, prevalent or at least like in certain pockets of the world, right? In our Just Break Up family, it's very prevalent and it we rely on self-reflection. We want to know what our triggers are and we want to know what our boundaries are. And we want to know what our childhood wounds are and our attachment styles. And we want to know why mm -hmm. we do these things, right? And we're we're on this like constant journey of self-betterment. But I see that cycle of like, I guess like forced um, self-effacement or like, it's like when self-betterment becomes like a habitual form of self-harm, you know, of like, how mm, am I sure. continually, like, if I'm not making myself better then I'm, am I worse or am I, am I staying in my trauma or whatever? And I've seen like right, questions right. on our Facebook group and I've thought it myself where like, I wonder when our journey for self-betterment or pushing into the discomfort or knowing, you know, what, like learning more about ourselves, like when does that become another way to be like not good enough or another way mm -hmm. to punish ourselves. So I know that's like a little bit adjacent to the question, but that's what that brings up for me is, is this, this, this journey for self-discovery 
And when can it turn into sort of an unhealthy relationship with the self? Yeah, for sure. Thinking about like what what tools and goals and all of those like scaffolding is in place for us. Like exactly what uh, the letter writer talks about of like productive struggle versus unproductive yes. struggle. And, and I think part of it too is like, when does our sort of self, our leaning into discomfort come from like a people pleasing, like other focused mm. way versus like, when does that leaning into discomfort help us understand ourselves or our relationships better or differently. Um, and like, I've leaned into a lot of discomfort on behalf of other people, yes. right? Like in a non-productive way too, yes. like without a goal in mind, just because like, it felt like I had to, or because it was like the thing that everyone expected me to do, um, or the thing that I was trained to do as right. a child of, of parents who, who, um, wanted me to, to caretake for a lot of things. Um, versus like, when am I leaning into discomfort as a way to explore something new about myself or right. to understand and define where my boundaries are? Right. Um, and sometimes like those boundaries might be overstepped and that's like the learning to say like, nope, that was not good. I don't want that. Um, but like, I do think that like there is this, this really nuanced and complicated and difficult to understand and identify like line between like, Am I doing this to make other people happy or like me better or um, fit in? Or am I doing this to like more deeply understand myself and my wants and needs and my relationship with other people? Mm. And where does like, where is the line of my autonomy being threatened? Because like, guess what? Like zooming sure. out of this letter and just like into the universe, like there is always discomfort. Like we're always going to be... Um, met with right. uncomfortable lessons, life experiences, things that teach us about ourselves. That's just a part of life. Like struggle is a part of life. Mm -hmm. And also how do I navigate that acceptance about the world while also empowering myself and protecting myself and, and drawing the line between, okay, well, this is acceptable discomfort and this is something I can learn from. And and then the line would be, this is actively hurting me. This is taking away my autonomy. And I just want to say, like, the letter writer is using their lived experience, their example of a sexual experience. But I'm talking broadly, universally about life lessons that are uncomfortable and trying to find the path between what is productive, uncomfortable, and, and like the letter writer says, or unproductive, you know. Yeah, I think it's just like, it's really complicated. <laughs> it's like really hard to find the the line between between those two things around like where am I doing this in a way that's serving me and where am I doing this in a way that's actually like undermining myself um to be clear like doing something that is uncomfortable that also undermines your values doesn't mean that you're like doing something wrong or that mm -hmm. you've like you've you've you're doing it wrong <laughs> right you know it's like those types of things can also be moments of learning for us. Um, and I, I sometimes get like weird talking about this kind of stuff just because I don't want people to use this as another way to abuse themselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that, like, that's why oh, now up... I'm doing the leaning into, yeah, leaning into <laughs> discomfort wrong too. Yeah. Right. Like, um, but the reality is, is like, we're, we're just humans who are, who are learning constantly about ourselves and the world and, what that means and how we do it 
can be really challenging. It can be really difficult to to think about like places where we're we're setting ourselves up for success and places where we might be like undermining our own boundaries because we're we're being told that we have to lean into discomfort by some podcast host who knows nothing about the world. <laughs> you know what it makes me think of? I, like what I feel confident like walking away from the check-in topic saying is discomfort is promised in life and it is a teacher, but it's not required mm-hmm. for growth. And I think that's probably sure. the big takeaway for me and my life is that like uh, oftentimes when I was in big, big shifts of learning or like in a situation that like didn't feel good, but I knew there was like a lesson there. A lot of times I wish I stopped and thought like, is this discomfort necessary? Am I keeping myself here because I, because of some weird mission I'm putting myself on? I'm thinking about like, this is a random example, but I'm thinking about like a job that I had that was like really challenging and I didn't want to quit it. And I thought it was like showing me something about myself. And then all of a sudden I realized I was like deeply depressed and I didn't need to do this anymore. I didn't need to prioritize this struggle anymore. (laughs) I know that's like a bad example, but that's what I'm thinking of. Um, And in this vague nuanced conversation about like, how the fuck do we draw the boundaries between what is productive and unproductive struggle? I would, I guess something I'll say to myself, to the, our listeners again is like, yes, struggle is guaranteed in life. Discomfort is a teacher because it's showing me what I can do differently. And I want to remind myself that oftentimes the discomfort is showing me that there's a route without discomfort somewhere out there, you know, or Mm. that like staying in things, muscling through things doesn't always result in a relief of discomfort or doesn't always result in an, in an epiphany or evolution. Um, Sometimes like the letter writer said, it can result in this lack of autonomy um, and, or like a losing of the self. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's what I'll add to this very thoughtful and like (laughs) broad check-in topic, mind opening. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that distinction or about like what is struggle and what is discomfort of like, I think that we live in a society that tells us like we always have to be struggling, right? We have to be working all the time. Right. We have to like, and if we're not working, if we're not doing something, if we're not productive, if we're not like, if we're not working seven jobs, like then we're not meaningful that we're not doing enough um, versus like, what does it feel like to, to, to have discomfort or to like lean into discomfort. Um, and I think that the narrative that we have of like life should always be painful <laughs> is like not necessarily true, right? Like, like Sierra said, we can find places of comfort that can actually serve us really well. Yeah. Um, and identifying those things as being like, nope, this is it, right? Like this is my thing and I'm going to keep it. And I don't, I don't want to do the things outside of it is part of the the purpose of this growth that we're doing so that we're not overstepping our boundaries or we're not like undermining ourselves or what we know that we want or need. Um, and that that's okay to do as well. Like protecting your peace is often just as important as leaning into discomfort. I think one of life's greatest challenges for us is finding the, the in-between there, right? Mm. Finding like the the edge of that to say like, we need to be protecting our peace and knowing ourselves well enough to 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 focus on the things that bring us joy and the things that bring us comfort 
and finding places where we can sort of live closer to the edge of discomfort, where we can learn more things about where the boundaries, where the hard edges are around what are those things that are going to protect us and the people that we love and care about. Can you read me the the school, the teacher example again um, before we close out this check-in topic? Because I want to apply it to like a relationship or or something in my life. Yeah, so um, productive struggle. There's an art to picking a math problem that students can't solve immediately. They have to reread the problem, mm-hmm. think about the definitions, sketch out a picture, try a couple of examples. Then through that process, an approach towards a solution emerges. But if you throw a problem at them that requires too much creativity or tools that they haven't learned yet Mm. or relies on older skills that they have a trauma around, we reach the realm of unproductive struggle where it feels impossibly hard and they shut Mm. down. Giving too many of these experiences to students creates math avoidance, anxiety, and ultimately leads to failure. They may classify themselves as not math people because they decide they weren't built for it. And they can choose to cut out those negative memories and just justify never trying again. Wow. I mean, that could be a perfect an, an analogy for intimacy, for vulnerability, you know, like. For sure. And what's hard is that we don't have like a, a teacher assigning us these uh, level appropriate <laughs> yeah. problems in life. You know, we don't have somebody sure. saying they have enough tools to conquer this. And when they yep. and when they're done with it, they're going to better understand themselves. Instead, we are often socially uh, in all relationships, all walks of life. The latter of the questions where we are presented with something we've never dealt with before, something that makes us feel like we are inherently bad or inherently lost or inherently damaged. Um And then that's where our wounds come. You know, that's where our triggers and our patterns and our fears come from. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have anything else more profound to say than than that, except for maybe if we can use that um, analogy when we're when we are approaching ourselves, like we don't have that teacher assigning those problems. And also we kind of do, we are those, we are our own teachers, right? We are our own parents. Mm-hmm. We, we're taking care of our inner child. So I, I guess like to summarize this mind blowing check-in topic <laughs> that I'm going to think about all day, <laughs> um, not to summarize it, but to like put a small cap on it so we can move on. I guess like thinking about the next time I'm approaching a discomfort, I can just, I can do my best to, you know, recognize that I am approaching it with compassion for myself, approaching it with peace in mind that the end goal is to, is to get through the discomfort and not identify with it, you know, like not internalize Mm it. Um, The, the Mm -hmm. end goal is to, is to say, this is not, this is happening to me or around me. It is not of me. No, I love that idea of like, this is happening to me and is not of me as well, right? Like the universe is not a benevolent teacher. It is yeah. not assigning problems based on what you can handle. Yeah, It's assigning problems based on the randomness of the universe. Yes. Um, and so the idea of, of like this pr- productive struggle or this idea of like, I have to lean into discomfort. It's important to remember too, that like, it's not like, 
there's somebody just giving us exactly what we can handle out there. Yes. Right. Sometimes we are faced with things where we don't have the tools to even identify that this isn't a proper place for us to be spending time or for us to be trying something new. Right. We are students that are on our own in so many ways. And we're just like moving through like a, a mill of random problems being thrown at us that and the, the teacher doesn't care whether or not we can <laughs> we have the tools or the scaffolding yeah. to be able to productively struggle through them. Um, so again, it's it's like, how do we separate this from ourselves and not blame ourselves when we are in a place where we are suddenly out of our own our own skill level, mm. right? Because it's not our fault. Yeah. We didn't we didn't choose this. We made choices based on literally the best that we could. Yeah. That's all we're ever capable of doing is the best that we can. And that's all we are ever literally doing is literally the best that we can. Um, And so when we find ourselves in places where we're like, shit, I made a ton of mistakes there and I would never want to do it again. We can say like, I was out of my depth. Yeah. I was given a problem that I didn't have the tools to solve and I did the best that I could. Absolutely. And that best may have been not great or may have harmed me or other people. And yet this is what life is, is reacting to responding to the random shittiness and wonderfulness (laughs) of the universe. Wow. Right. Regardless of what tools, what we've learned, what our traumas are like, it's it's really sad to think of the world in that way. And also, at least for me, really liberating because it's like the only expectation that I can have for myself is to continue to do my best. Yes. Right? And and the things, the harmful things that have happened to me have not been some divine justice that I wasn't equipped to handle. Yes. It was that the universe just threw something at me because the universe is infinitely random. Yes. <laughs> it's just all outside of our control in so many ways. So it's not your fault letter writer that you leaned too much into discomfort here because you were doing the best that you could and you were getting messages from me from other people around you that this was a thing that you should be doing um and your leaning into that discomfort wasn't a bad thing to do wasn't a, a a mistake or wasn't like a stupid thing it was literally the best that you could do in that moment and i'm sorry that it turned out so poorly and that it like really hurt you um and I wish that we could go back and and offer more or different skills or tools to help you understand or navigate that in a way that that you would have liked to do differently. Um, and it's not your fault that this happened. Yeah, you didn't you didn't do anything to ask for this or to land in this place. You were just given a problem that you didn't have the skills to be able to solve, which is what what life does to us yeah. sometimes. And now we know differently. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to think about this question all day. <laughs> Uh, and this conversation. (laughs) Um, All right. Yeah. Way to start an episode with some heady shit. I know. You want to get into our letters? (laughs) Yes. We love you. Thank you for writing. We love you. All right. Our first letter comes from not a mom whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing from the kitchen that my boyfriend's daughter dirtied USA. So my boyfriend and I have been dating for six months now. He's five years older than me. We hit it off immediately from day one, spoke constantly for two weeks before we met in person. 
He told me date number two that he had a 12-year-old daughter, which at the time I didn't know how to react to. And I came to find out that his child was a product of a marriage that was only a few months long with his now ex. Learning that he had a daughter and was married was a huge shock to my entire system. I've never dated someone with a child and was technically divorced. Honestly, on dating apps, if someone listed has kids, I would immediately pass over them. And being married before was another huge thing to process for me as I treasure both things very much. But after thinking about it, I decided essentially I was okay with it since, especially since she's essentially a teen and therefore much more independent than say a young child or baby. Mm -hmm. Let me also mention that I am not a kid person per se. Definitely am more the type to have 10 dogs versus one kid. (laughs) I have always figured I am right on the borderline of not wanting kids and possibly just one or two. Never really gave more thought to it. I met his daughter about three months into us together. I guess she is your typical teenager nowadays, attached to the phone, of course. She's very nice and likes me a lot, but honestly, she is a handful from what I've experienced and observed. Due to the shared custody situation, she stays at our home every other weekend and sometimes random days during the school week based on what she wants to do. But I admit I absolutely dread those weekends as she leaves messes everywhere, cooks but never cleans up after herself, eats all of our food, etc. Not to mention that she can be disrespectful. Most bothersome to me is when I cook something and she says, that looks questionable. And she will do things that my boyfriend explicitly tells her not to do, but if he's not home, but I am, she will do them. And I feel like I can't scold her out of fear of damaging our two new relationship. But believe me, I have snapped at her a few times. If my boyfriend is home, he keeps her in line, always reminds her to do her homework and do her laundry and whatnot. But with me, she definitely doesn't do what she needs to do. I don't know how or if to tell my boyfriend that I don't want to be left alone with her for this reason, and I don't want to spend my days off essentially policing and babysitting her. Phew. Okay. I feel a lot better getting this out on here and not (laughs) holding it inside. I feel so, so guilty for feeling this way, and I feel like I subconsciously avoid her, i.e. going to my parents when she's over and my boyfriend isn't. But I force myself to stay around her. But in my defense, I'm not a kid person to begin with, so being thrown into the situation with not just a kid, but a difficult one, is really tough. I know there are people out there who will say that, well, it isn't fair to your boyfriend or his child that you feel this way. Get out of the relationship. And I understand that, but I truly want to work on looking past these things and my frustrations and bond with her more. I guess I am posting this not so much for advice, but to reach out and speak with other people who have been in similar situations. I absolutely love my boyfriend. He is a great father, and that definitely added to my attraction for him, despite me not being a kid person. I am seriously leaning towards having one or two with him, and I'm very excited that in the very distant future, we will do that. I just feel like a horrible person feeling like I can't completely accept his daughter entirely right now. Sigh. I guess I just need a lot more time. Thank you 10,000 times over for taking the time to read this letter. Even just hearing a small acknowledgement of it or in the form of a check-in topic would be incredible. I think I would cry. I admire you both not only for your amazing advice, but for how accepting and comforting the entire JBU community has become. Shout out to all of the JBU Facebook members out there. Y'all are a hell of a lot better advice givers than the assholes on Reddit. (laughs) Love you all. XO. All right, Nada Mom, thank you so much for writing and for listening and for f- being on the Facebook uh, private group. I love that. Uh, yeah, this is a hard situation. Um, and 
the thing that stands out to me the most is, is twofold. One, you're the comment like, I don't want to talk to my boyfriend about this. <laughs> but like, that's got to happen. <laughs> like, this is a, this is, you know, it's not that you're co-parenting, but you are co-existing with this child as yep. an as a definitive part of your relationship. And so it has to be a team effort. You have to, you have to, you have to tag him in, you know, he's got to be a part yep. of this. Yep. Um, and the other thing uh, before I unpack that more is I feel like there's this veil of politeness and like somewhat confused boundaries about how to act with this child because you're not a stepmom, right? You're not a parent figure. This is a newish relationship and they're, they're not mm -hmm. your child, you know? And so, like, there's this confused, right. totally reasonable, like, unsureness about how to navigate this relationship. Um, but you can totally have expectations for this child, boundaries for this child, especially in your lived space, right? You can definitely mm -hmm. say... Uh, and this, I think this should come after a conversation with your boyfriend, which we'll get to in a second, but you can definitely say like, Hey, if you're going to cook in the kitchen, you need to clean up afterwards. That is yep. a reasonable expectation from one adult to another young person that they have to like, yep. you know, young people have to learn the world. That's, that's part of life. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I think I just want to, I want to cut you some slack here for, first of all, not liking this child. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you're not a horrible person for like being like, yeah, hard. this child and I, <laughs> they're really challenging. <laughs> they're very challenging. They are. 12 year olds are. I have a 12 year old in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, just kidding. Now he's 13. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, honestly, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, we have this narrative that like everyone's supposed to love children. You're not supposed to like not like children. Yes. You're supposed to just have endless amounts of empathy and love and compassion for them. And like, yes, you can do that. And also be like, this kid's annoying and I don't like being around them. <laughs> like that's okay. It is yes. okay. Right. You're not, that's not abusive. You're not doing things to like <laughs> harm the child. You just don't like her. Yes. And that's okay. And that we, is okay. We also have this narrative of like the evil stepmom. Right. You know, right. Oh, like also the, that the cold childless bitch who like comes in your life and takes yeah. your father away from you by implementing rules about having to like put your dishes in the dishwasher. How dare she sending you to boarding school or sending a hunter to cut out your heart <laughs> in the woods. Yeah, that one's that one's really intense. <laughs> Snow White had some. I had a conversation simple. with someone about <laughs> about it. Snow White and they had like no memory of the actual like plot it points in the movie. Dark. And I was like. The man wants to cut out her heart or is, is told to cut out her heart, but he's in love with her, this child, and spares her. <laughs> yeah. And then she, like, breaks into these people's houses. <laughs> yes. Not to mention the portrayal of little people in know, that movie. I know, like, I know, I <laughs> know. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Anyway, anyway you're not a cruel literally heartless stepmother figure yes. right absolutely <laughs> like that's you're just a human right for sure who is like around this other little human who has weird things that they do like yeah okay cool yeah and second i want to give you cut you some slack too to recognize that like 
you are also entering this child's life at a particular moment and you don't have the 12 years before where like there have been established yes. understandings of the way that relationships work. You haven't seen her at her cutest in like the in the most like needy, right? Yes. Like there are you are entering this in a point of time where this this child is not necessarily fully autonomous, but like has a level of autonomy because they're 12 and can totally. like do things and you know what I mean? Like it's a it it's a particular time to enter into this child's life. So like of course you don't know what the relationship is going to look like. Of course you don't know where the boundaries are or the effective means of communication might be, right? Like, yeah, yeah, duh. Like, yeah. this is the first time you're doing this with this person you don't know. And this is a new relationship, just like your absolutely. boyfriend and you had to figure out your communication styles and your boundaries. Right, absolutely. Like, so many different layers that are making this really complicated. Yes. And so... The fact that it's not immediately clicking into like, I love this child and they listen to me and we never get into fights and they yeah. always clean up after themselves yeah. is like, yeah, duh, that's not like, of course, of course, that's not happening because you're like, you're in the infancy of this relationship with this person. Yes. And it's going to take time to figure out where the edges are of what y'all decide is an appropriate relationship for you to yes. have. And I off the cuff was like, you know, it's okay to have expectations of this child. Like you can ask them to do things. But I also want to acknowledge like that's difficult for two adults. <laughs> you know, like it's it's difficult for two for roommates, right? Mature adults <laughs> to be like, can you do the dishes? Like that's a challenging right? life experience. <laughs> and so it's okay that you, an adult, might feel discomfort or like have a hard yep. time telling a 12 year old to do the dishes. Like, let me tell you, Absolutely. middle schoolers are intimidating. <laughs> like they are. Oh my God. They're so scary. They're so cool. <laughs> and they yeah. know how to do makeup way cooler than I do. <laughs> oh, and they know how to, they know how to find oh, the, the thing wound <laughs> and just stick their little fingers in yeah, it. They're so tiny. So they can fit into the, like the, the most like, healed Vroom. wounds. Yeah. Okay. And so often they'll do it in a way that isn't like, like calling it out specifically. They'll just ask you a question. Yeah. And it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Did you mean to dress like that? Dress like what? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they're like, Oh, oh never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Or they'll, and then, or they'll just run away and giggle with their friends, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm back in middle school. Oh my god, like I have not, I have not try, aged a day." Try teaching a poetry workshop to a bunch of middle schoolers at like no, seven thirty in the morning. I would definitely like literally. I I've never, never had to toughen my skin more. I was like, "It's cool. You're you're a cool person, Sierra. You have friends." <laughs> okay. Anyway, so back to you, not a mom. So this is difficult. Like it's all, and it's okay that it's difficult. Like. All relationships are difficult. It doesn't matter like how old the other person is. But let's talk about you talking to your boyfriend. This is this is going to be important for the health and growth of your relationship. You can go to him and say, hey, I want to talk to you about your daughter. I'm struggling in these ways. And think about what you said to us. Nothing that you said to us is like cruel or unreasonable. Nothing no. you said to us is like out of bounds in terms of what you can ask the father of this child and your partner. Yep. So I want you to be able to say something like, hey, I'm kind of struggling with my relationship with your child. I think she's really smart and clever and fun. And I think you do a great job parenting, parenting her. 
I'm struggling because she does X, Y, and Z in my house. And I don't know how, I don't feel like it's my place to ask more of her or when you're not around, she does X, Y, and Z. And I don't know if you want me to parent. I feel uncomfortable parenting her or something like that. Totally reasonable. It is not your job to parent her. And also, as I said before, it's totally reasonable of you to have expectations of her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's totally reasonable of her to say, of you to say to your boyfriend, um, when so-and-so cooks in my house, I want there to be an explicit expectation that she cleans up after herself. Can you help me enforce this as her boundary keeper, as her parent figure? Yep. yep. Absolutely. And you and uh, your boyfriend can have a conversation with her, too, around like yes. where are the boundaries around how you three coexist together, right? You can... Yes. You can talk to her about what her preferences are in sort of like how she can be held accountable to do things or how you can also change and adapt some of your behavior to help make the space more comfortable for her as well. Right. Like, yes, part of parenting, too, is not just about like you as the parents enforce the rules and how things go, but also like this is such a great opportunity to respect and understand her autonomy as well. And the fact that she is like an individual who has her own preferences and boundaries and is also adapting to your presence in the house now too, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not just you who's trying to figure this out. Like she is as well. So I do think that I would start with your boyfriend and do exactly what Sierra said around like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to criticize her or get her in trouble. I am just wondering how we can have a relationship that that allows space for me to help enforce the rules that I know are important to you when it comes to her yes, and to help me feel comfortable in the space that I live in. Yes. Right. Like that's yeah. the goal. It's not to make her out to be the villain or the bad child, but instead, like, I'm really interested in figuring out how we can all figure out how to cohabitate together or coexist. Yes. And then talk and to her about it because like, like I love the idea of, of having this conversation with her and, and allowing her the opportunity so to too. talk about what what her struggles with you are, <laughs> right? Like, because I'm sure that there yeah. are some. Yeah. And I, I don't, when Sam says like the, the help me enforce these rules or whatever, I instantly thought like one of the anxiety inducing responses you might have is like, well, I'm not her parent. I don't want to give her rules. I just want to remind you all relationships have boundaries, right? And right. rules, right? You can't walk into my house with muddy boots and like walk all over my house. And right. then just be like, bye, have a good day. I mean, you can, because I would be you like, can. I'll clean it up. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like be like, okay, cool. Thanks. Oh, Thank cool. you I keep for those your on presents. Yeah, I understand. That's great. I was actually I looking for that. something like, to do. <laughs> let me help you carry this. <laughs> just but you know what I'm saying? Like all, even yeah. with strangers, we have boundaries. Like if somebody flips me off in the parking lot, like my boundary is I will flip them off. Yeah. <laughs> None of this makes sense, but what's the point? <laughs> These the are great examples. Of, great examples. Just, I'm failing. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is like it's you're not you're not even being a parent figure to this person. You're being a human with another human. And yeah. we're allowed to have these expectations of one another. Yep. Period. You're yeah. You're, I have expect I will have expectations of my daughter when she is a toddler and she is capable of cognitive functioning. Mm-hmm. you know, at a mild terrorist level as toddlers are, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Yep. <laughs> like a one-year-old kitten. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's Sasha doing? <laughs> All right. My darling, um, not a mom. We hope this helps. 
more than anything, we just hope you feel affirmed in your feelings, that you're not a bad par- person, you're not a bad girlfriend. Um, and we hope this gives you some scripts or approaches to make this a little bit easier for you. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. Our next letter comes to us from Daddy Issues, whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing to us from the Twin Cities. 
Hey, Sam and Sierra, is it weird if I hear Sam's voice reading this in my head as I write? Yes, because it's, I'm reading it. <laughs> First, thank you both for the time, love, and heart you share on this podcast. I've been a listener for a couple of years and have grown so much alongside you in my relationship and daily living. As a mental health worker myself, I fully endorse the many endorsements you've gotten from others in my field. You two provide such a compassionate, clear lens to the messy work of being human amongst other humans. That's very sweet. I'm getting married this spring. Congrats. My fiance, he, him, and I've been together for five years and are excited to celebrate this next step together. He's kind, playful, hardworking, and has taught me so much about healthy relationships during our time together. Where's the butt, you ask? Well, there isn't one. I truly believe we have the grit, dedication, and love to make this thing work. I look forward to being married and building a life together. Aw. Oh. The letter ends there. Just kidding. Yeah. Oh, great. Easy one. <laughs> but, gotcha, they write. <laughs> Where I feel less sure is how my dad fits into the picture. My dad and I have always had a complicated relationship, mainly due to the fact that he's a high-functioning alcoholic, something I couldn't admit to myself until just a few years ago. LDR, I grew up out of state and was pulled into a lot of role reversal by my parents from a young age, mostly in response to my dad's drinking. I left home for college and have done most of the hard work and healing to learn from my experience and how it impacts all my relationships. Regardless, I try my best to have a relationship with my dad because I know he did the best that he could with what he had. He's incredibly proud of me and excited for our wedding day. He talks about the speech he'll give and planned out the song we can dance to together. It's sweet, and I'm excited for the experience and memories with him. What I'm not excited for is the possibility that he'll be drinking or drunk throughout all of it. His side of the family embraces a lot of drinking culture and has already planned to pregame before the ceremony. I'm worried about... I'm worried by the time we get to the speeches and dancing, he'll have been drinking for hours and won't be able to control himself. I'm worried he might do or say something mean or embarrassing in front of everyone because that's what I've seen him do many times in the past. So, dears, my question is, should I mention my worries to him or to someone else? Should I just say, F it, I can't control others and enjoy the rest of the day? Is there an in-between that I'm not seeing here? I think that I'd like to address it somehow, but I've never talked to him about his drinking there was a lot of secrecy and shame about it growing up, and it's not something my family has ever addressed. I've talked mm. with my therapist about talking to him about all of this at some point, but I don't feel ready to unpack everything now. I'm not focused on completely altering our relationship. I just want him to not be drunk on that one day. Mm. I should also mention that it took me years to let go of an intervention fantasy and learned that nothing I do or don't do can control my dad's drinking. I can only control my reactions and boundaries around it. There's a freedom in that that I try to live by every day. But here we go again. Does that apply to something as public as a wedding in front of all of my loved ones too? Am I just falling back into old habits here? Or are there boundaries I could put into place that I'm not seeing? Any advice you could give would be so, so very much appreciated. Thank you so much. All right, Daddy Issues. Um, first of all, congrats on getting married. Congrats on feeling like this yeah. person is the person for you. Um, wedding planning is so fun slash stressful. Uh, and so I hope that you're doing well because I know that we're like a couple months out, which for me was the hardest period. <laughs> so I hope that you are you're holding it all together um, and that you are looking forward to to your big special event. Yeah. Um, with all of your friends and family around you. And congrats to like um, some of the things you stated in here about the the work that you've done around your dad's drinking. Like, I think you just at least 
how about this? I feel kindred to the peace that you found in your acceptance of your dad's relationship with you, his drinking, like that you have these really healthy boundaries around um, that you can only control your own reactions and boundaries and that you have a freedom in that and that you're not trying to alter the relationship. You see it for what it is, um, but you want this special today to be a little bit more sacred than every other day. Um, yeah. I just think like, I, I, I'm so proud of you for the work that you've done. Obviously, it's okay to have higher expectations of people, but mm-hmm. I I see the healing in your letter and the happiness, and you deserve the world. You deserve a day in which you don't have to worry about this. Yeah. And even though this is a special day for you, it's also a day, right? A day in the, in the life of you and your dad in which... There's no, again, I keep talking about like divine intervention. There's no like big protective bubble around this day that the universe is going to offer you where the things that are that are happening in your life that cause you pain or that cause you struggle are suddenly going to go away. Like it's just, it is a, it is a very wonderful, momentous, special day that's going to be full of love mm. and dancing and food or whatever your wedding is going to be because it doesn't always have to look like that. Um, and... You're going to have the, your dad there that is an alcoholic and that is going to be drinking because that mm. is what alcoholics do, right? Like that is that is what we can expect of your dad based on all of the previous information that that you that he's given you about what he does in weddings and what his family encourages him to do and and how he's going to show up. And I, I wish I could say that like alcoholics don't drink alcohol and are embarrassing in public that they only do it in private, but that's also not true. Right. right? Like also as the, as a son of a father who was also alcoholic, like I wish that my dad wouldn't get drunk in front of my friends and do weird things, but he did (laughs) like, and there was literally nothing that I could do about it because he wasn't interested in, well, because first of all, we didn't talk about it as a family, which I, so I feel you on that one. And there was nothing I couldn't control him. I couldn't control his drinking. And I that that intervention yes. fantasy that you are talking about is so real. And yes. recognize that like he has he had to be the one to change and he was never capable of doing it. He he and so like again, thinking about you're doing this already, you're already thinking about like what can you expect from this person? What have they shown you over and over and over again to be true? And know that that's what you can expect so that you can respond appropriately to to the fact yeah. that this is what your dad's going to do at your wedding, right? Like, I hate to say that, right? Because I'm such a person who's like, talk to people, like be vulnerable, no, whatever, whatever, whatever. Conflicted. But but you're also saying to me, like, you, this isn't the place for you to unpack this stuff with your dad. Like, this is not the time or the space that you want to do it. And so if it's not, then like, how are you taking care of yourself to be like, here's what could happen in this situation. Here's what's probably going to happen. He's going to be drinking. I know that. I know that for a fact. And so what am I doing to help take care of myself in the reality of that, that, that thing that he's yeah. going to do? My heart feels really conflicted, even though I know, like, I know what I, th- my number one piece of advice for you is going to be create a support system and like a team of boundary setters that that yep. protect you and uplift you on that day. I'll unpack that in a second. I feel confident in that piece of advice. But before that, 
I want, I, 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 I'll wrestle out loud with my feelings about talking to your dad or not. Like, I, I think you have every right as a person, as a citizen of this earth and as a family member to say to him, like, hey, I'm a little anxious about this. You know, like, you know, what I think what my heart feels like confused about is like, shouldn't we all have the right to like ask for our needs, you know? And then it goes back to what Mm -hmm. Sam said, which is like the universe does not provide us that, that learning setting, you know, it doesn't provide us those, that, those guarantees. So do you have a right to say something to your dad? Yes. Do I think you could do that in a thoughtful, healing-focused, boundary-heavy way in which you could just say your piece, wipe your hands of it, and then have a beautiful day whether or not he is embarrassing? Yes, mm-hmm. I think you could do all that. I'm What I'm unsure of is if it's worth your the effort in your heart right now, like Sam was saying. Is right. it worth the potential heartache? Is it worth the potential conflict? I don't know. I mean, I would continue to unpack it with your therapist, but what I will say, what I am confident in is, you know, somebody's wedding day or their special day or whatever. I, I think it's the cruise, you know, whether it's like a wedding party or family members or best friends or whatnot. Um, that is an opportunity for us to love our people really well. And Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for you to say, I mean, I'm practicing this now in my pregnancy, like leaning on people, asking them for a little bit more support, a little bit more understanding, asking them to deal with something so that I can have the clean, clear mental space to where I don't have to think about it, you know? Um, Like, for example, when I go into labor, I don't want to think about who's, watching our dog, like we have a plan for that. Sure, but sure, Willow's sure. gonna execute the plan so that I don't have to that's not in my brain the day of. And I think the wedding is like an even better example of that is that like you should be focused on your partnership, on your future, on your present joy, right? Mm-hmm. And so I want you to ask your team, your crew, your wedding party, your family, your siblings, whoever you think you can trust and like allow yourself to take up space, allow yourself to ask for help and support and be like, these are my concerns. I don't want this to happen. If it's happening, can you shield me from it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If it's happening, can you handle it? Can you mind dad's drinking? Can you, you know, like what are the safety nets in place or the boundaries in place that will, that will prevent this potentially inevitable truth of life from taking you away from your present joy. I think that having people and listening people to like help police his drinking again, like might not be super effective or, or helpful, but I do love the idea of having a network of people who can love and support you as this thing is happening, right? Cause like shame lives in the dark. So how can you talk to the people around you to say like, I'm really concerned about my dad's drinking and I'm concerned he's going to like say weird things or like do weird things when he's giving his speech or his toast or like whatever. Um, and so when that's happening, can you just like come and like squeeze my hand or like give me a hug yes, or like exactly. see me or like to say like, and, or like affirm that like, it's all good. Like that's on him. That's not on you. Um, Right. Like what are how can you enlist folks to help support you emotionally, even if 
they're not capable of like policing your dad's drinking. Cause again, like policing right. folks who are struggling with alcoholism's drinking, like doesn't go well very often. Um, right. The second thing that I'll add is that joy isn't negated by, by struggle, right? Like mm. your big day isn't going to be ruined by the fact that your dad does something. And again, we're assuming that he's going to do this. He might not, he might like, he might be drinking and like pull off a really great speech or like dance with you in a really great way. And like have a, <laughs> yeah. you know, like he, you say that he's high functioning, right? So maybe he will, will take care of himself enough to not sort of make a fool of yourself. So like, that's also a possibility, but if your dad does something stupid, it doesn't mean your wedding's ruined. It doesn't mean that you can't experience joy, right? Like there are so rarely experiences that are just one thing at a time. And the fact that your wedding is going to experience amazing bliss, happiness, excitement, love, all of those wonderful things doesn't mean that also it's going to come with embarrassment or it's going to come with, right. with, uh, you know, sadness or anger. Like those things are also going to be present. So embracing so the fullness so of that experience and saying like, Ooh, I'm pissed at my dad. Doesn't mean that my wedding's ruined though, right? Because like, here's all of the things that I'm grateful for and all of the things that have and have brought me joy today and are bringing me joy in this moment. And I'm going to focus on those things while yes. recognizing that the anger is still there and important and telling me something that I need to know. But I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to let it steal my joy today. I'm not going to let yes. it take this away from me. And that's a perfect segue to my last piece of advice is working with your therapist or working with your closest friends. I want you to come up with your wedding day affirmations. Like what is going to keep, mm. what's going to bring you back when your presentness is taken from you inevitably by the ups and downs of life. Right. Mm -hmm. And the presentness can be, you know, I accept all of this and I'm still going to have a great time. Or the affirmation can be, um, I know what's true about my dad and I'm going to not let it affect my joy or mm -hmm. cheerful and stupid. Like Sam always says, like accept your dad as he is and then go dance with your friends. You know, like what affirmations can you give yourself that'll keep you present and allow you to shake it off and allow you to like feel that, that joy, that, that ever present celebration that you deserve that day. Yep. And yeah. I'm like, just really quickly, this is hard. This is tricky. You know, having a, a parent with alcoholism is really hard. And I, I started this letter by like affirming all the healing and growth you've done and the boundaries that you have. And also I want to recognize that those are ongoing. And I know that the disappointment that comes with relationships like this is fluctuates throughout life, fluctuates throughout life experiences. So like our advice is really for at least my advice is solely so that you can have the most fun and the most mm -hmm. presentness on this one day. But we know Absolutely. that this is a lifelong relationship hypothetically. And so it might not apply all the time. Um, but yeah, fucking congrats. Happy, yeah, happy wedding day to you from Sam and I. Yes. Uh, also, I just want to issue a correction to something that I said when I said that alcoholic strength, that's what they do, because that's not fair or mm. reflective of re re alcoholics who are in recovery um, Totally. as well. So I want to I want to amend that and say that your dad drinks. That is what your dad does. Right. And Smart. and sort of take that away from 
all people who are struggling with alcoholism are drinking because that is not true. So just want to no, check yeah, myself. That, I didn't even catch that. And my dad is a sober alcoholic. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but good, good on you. Um, all right, daddy issues. We love you again. Congrats. And I hope you have a fucking great time. Save a dance for us. Absolutely. Cheers, we love you. We love you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, our next letter comes from Drowning in Guilt, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from an ocean of emotions. Wonderful rhyme. Dear (laughs) Sam and Sierra, I'm not even sure where to start. I recently started listening to your podcast and thank the Lord above that I discovered it at the perfect time. JBU podcast helped me realize a lot of issues within myself that I've been able to work on with the help of therapy, i.e. y'all's podcast episodes, LOL. So thank you for <laughs> not continuing. The same to, thing. Just, yeah, it's not just, the same thing to like be clear. Legally, I should just say that that, that is not the <laughs> <Right>. same thing. <laughs> but huh? I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> yes. I promised my therapist I would never ever do anything that implies that I am in any way a therapist. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you got about three and a half years to make up for that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, so thank you for continuing to the, be the best relationship podcast out there. My longtime boyfriend, three years, he, him, 27 years old, and I, 26-year-old female, have been, have recently decided to part ways. Our relationship split has been graceful, amicable, and understanding, but in the end, it was my decision to end things. Without having to go into too much deep explanation, we are ending things because of my decision to take time for myself for a while to figure out what I want. He and I do not have an emotional connection, and we never have with one another. We have both been emotionally closed off towards one another, and that has caused me to look elsewhere for that yearning connection with the opposite sex. I have never physically cheated on him, but emotionally, yes, and he has found out about it, which broke both of our hearts. This has, for obvious reasons, caused trust issues between us, which is all my fault. He is very loyal and wanted to work hard on things with me and try to build an emotional connection with each other. But at the point we were at in my head and heart, I had already been planning on a breakup for a few months and I was past the point of being able to bring myself back to the, to work on things. I knew it needed to end before things became too toxic and I did not want to hurt him any more than I already had. Honestly, I felt undeserving of the love he was trying to give me after all that I had put him through. At first, during the breakup, I just wanted to be alone and be by myself. I felt tired and numb. But now, I wake up every day feeling like I'm drowning in sadness, guilt, and shame for the way I didn't at least try to work things out towards the end with him. I could see he was putting an effort, and I felt that I could not bring myself to the point that he was at, and I broke my own heart. 
I go through my days feeling like an awful person for treating him the way that I did and doing some of the things I did in our relationship. I feel that it is completely my fault. He had his flaws as well in the relationship, but right now it feels like mine are blown up extensively to where it's all I can focus on. I feel like the scum of the earth for how I acted and the way that I gaslit him so many times over his concerns and how I couldn't bring myself to want to work on things with him in the end. I find myself looking for new people sometimes, but punishing myself by isolating myself because I feel unworthy of love and affection. I feel like I am trying to keep my head above an ocean of guilt, shame, and self-hatred, and I don't know how to pull myself out and start forgiving myself. I don't want to be 30 and still stuck on my past mistakes and not forgiving myself and not letting my experience love again because I'm angry at myself. Sorry, I know that's a lot of myself's. Mm. Literally any advice would be appreciated at this point. Even if this letter never makes it to y'all, I feel better just writing down my sorrowful thoughts. Oh, drowning in my guilt. Thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with such a vulnerable letter. I think this letter is perfectly paired with our check-in topic Mm. about discomfort and how discomfort is a teacher, but when does it become like an abusive teacher? And I want to start by potentially reframing the goal of relationships in your mind. Mm. So you're seeing, you're feeling a lot of guilt about how you didn't try harder, about how you did the things wrong, how you ended it and how you hurt this person. And, you know, that's natural. Guilt is natural. Like we, it doesn't feel good to hurt other people unless we're a sociopath, right? Typically. Um, But what if we reframed the actual goal of having a relationship? The goal of a relationship is not to make it work. Mm. It's not to be together forever. The goal of a relationship is to explore the potential of said partnership, is to explore Mm. it, to assess it, to see if this works and see where it goes, right? Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you did that, like Sam said at the beginning of this episode, to the best of your ability, with the Mm. best that you had, you explored the potential and you decided that it, it wasn't right now. And so- you can take away some of this self-punishment if you recognize that relationships aren't all meant to work. That That is not, right. that's not the end goal of being together. And like, I know that like when we get together, 99% of us are like, I hope this works out, right? You know, we don't get together and think, I hope this is a nice, painful life lesson. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants that. I don't know. <laughs> some know? people might, some people might want that. <laughs> um, but that's the reality is like, so we, we, I guess like we prioritize the, f- not fantasy, but the, the end goal being we stay together, even when we know being together isn't what we wanted. Like you came to that conclusion yourself and it was an okay conclusion, even Absolutely. if it hurt someone, even if it hurt you now. Absolutely. And sometimes we get to a point in relationships where we're unwilling or in, uh, incapable of doing the things that we might do if we were in a healthier place, right? Like just because you weren't in this moment capable of finding the vulnerability to to try and work this out with this man doesn't mean that you're not yeah. incapable of it in places where it can be nourished and supported well, right? In places where there's fertile ground for it to happen. And I appreciate that your boyfriend tried to make that happen. And what you saw there was that 
it wasn't a place where you could find the capacity to be vulnerable with him. And that is okay, right? It is okay that based on your understanding, your patterns in the relationship, where you were at that moment, you couldn't couldn't find it. That's okay. And did it hurt this man? Yes. And we are always going to walk through life hurting people because we are not perfect and we are not all people who homogeneously want the same things all the time. And so you putting up that boundary, you saying to him, I just can't do it. I can't find it here. It's I there there isn't fertile ground for me to be able to do this thing that you're asking of me is deeply painful for him for sure. Because he wants he wanted desperately to figure out how to make this happen and how to how to be with you. And that doesn't mean that you weren't incapable of it. Right. Like we are going to move through this world hurting people based on our limitations, based on our boundaries, based on all sorts of different things. But that doesn't make us bad people, just makes us people. And so I appreciate the deep amount of empathy that you have for this man. I appreciate that deep amount of of thought and care you're putting into his pain, right? Like that's beautiful that you're an empathetic creature who's thinking about that. And I want you to continue with that empathy and I want you to have compassion for his pain. What I don't want is for the shame to tell you that you somehow are a bad person for having done this thing. And yeah. And you can know that you didn't do anything wrong and still feel deeply empathetic for the pain that you've caused someone, right? Both of those things exist at the same time. Sam, this is a perfect opportunity for you to whip out the guilt versus shame life mm-hmm. lesson. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, something that, that I pulled out of the letter is like this discomfort, this shame about gaslighting him. That's a perfect, that disc, that, that discomfort is a perfect teacher right now, but we need mm. to make sure we're putting reins on those teachers so that we're not internalizing that discomfort and making it our identity. So really quickly, what is the difference between shame and guilt? I came up with this myself and I for sure did not steal it from Brene Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. I stole this from Brene Brown. Um, So guilt is about I'm looking at the thing that I did and I'm feeling bad that I caused someone harm or caused someone pain. Right. I'm I'm feeling bad about the action that I did and I'm learning about myself or I'm learning about sort of the world based on that. Shame is about. I have internalized this pain that I've caused you. And now I understand that I am a bad person because of it. Right. I feel deeply ashamed of who I am rather than I feel guilty about the thing that I did. So it's, you can I feel, feel bad versus I am bad. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So you can feel, I encourage you to feel guilt about the, the things that you did that you recognize were not, were not kind right? Like gaslighting him, these emotional affairs that you were having, right? I, I invite you to look at those things and say, oh, I feel awful that I did those things and I want to learn from this pain. It? Right. Yeah. I want to say, I know that this is really painful for both me and him. So like, I'm going to find ways to try and not do that again, right? I'm going to learn from this experience and learn from the things that I did as opposed to looking at this and saying, I'm a bad person, right? Because bad people don't have opportunities for improvement, right? Bad people are just bad. Bad people don't have to learn from their mistakes because they're just bad people. 
But if we can externalize these things and recognize that like we're not made up of our actions, they are they don't define us. The things we do, the things we say, the emotions we feel, the thoughts that we have are not of us. They are things that mm-hmm. happen to us and things that we do. Then we can recognize that like we have so much capacity to change those things and do things differently and feel bad about them and then decide like, yep, emotional affairs, not a great idea. I don't want to do that again. Yes. A lot of growth I did was trying to recognize what discomfort was no longer serving me anymore. And mm. and honestly, there's discomfort in re- emotional affairs, like like the anxiety that you have of like not being fully in a relationship or like not living your authentic truth like that wears on your soul. And I remember that feeling. And it's it's just so you know, like it's important to hold yourself accountable to that. But it's even more important to say, like, I'm ready to do and be different. I'm ready to like move on. Mm. And I deserve it because like Sam said, I am not a bad person. I feel bad. There's a difference. Right. right. And I want to ask you drowning in guilt. Like I want to ask you what you did right in this relationship. And don't tell Mm. me it's nothing because you were together for three years and you made this very, very, very hard decision to end it. Like you, you, you did it for a reason. (laughs) Like what, Mm -hmm. and what was right about those reasons? What did you do right in this relationship, in this relationship? Because the broke, the breakup happened for a reason. It didn't just get manifested out of your own selfishness and shittiness, right? Like that's not, we think that this, a lot of choices come from like our inherent badness. That's not true. They yep. come from life, literally life all around us. And and we're all just doing our best and trying to respond the best that we can. So what did you do right in this relationship? What do you what are you okay with? Absolutely. And I want you to look at it and say, where are places where my ex did things that weren't helpful either? Right. Yes. To, to say, like, this isn't entirely your fault, right? He was there too. He was doing things. And you talk in your letter yeah. about how you and he just like never had an emotional connection and that isn't all your fault, right? Like, you know, and living in a a relationship for a particular time, like three years in a particular way and then realizing this isn't working for me um, is okay. It is, it is definitely okay to do that. Um, And, and so where are places where, where you both could have done better, right? Him as well, but, and you, right? Because that's an opportunity to continue to learn. But I don't want you to take this breakup and say, it would have been better if I hadn't been there. <laughs> or like, it would have been better right. if I was a completely different person. Because uh, you're right. not. And that's not actually the truth of of the of what happened in the relationship. And even think about it like, you know, make the list of like, where could I have done better? And where could he have done better? And then look at that list and think, what if this was our best at the time? Mm. This is our best at our time. And now after this, after these three years, after this breakup, I see that that is no longer the best foot that I want to put forward. I know, I see why that was my best. And now how can I do better? How can I, how do I want this to be different? But honestly, the last thing I want to just say is like, (laughs) is give yourself some time. You literally said you broke up because you wanted to take time to be yourself for a while to figure out what you wanted time. Mm -hmm. That is literally, and, and, and you know what? I know that hurt him and I know that subsequently hurt you, but that is an okay reason to break up with someone. And, and you, you're granted this time, take this time to feel, to, to 
to learn about yourself, to give yourself pleasure, to give yourself comfort, to give yourself peace? What does it look like to be yourself right now? Time is such a, a you know, discomfort's a teacher, but man, time is like a professor or like, you know, head headmaster, <laughs> headmistress. For you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> time can show us so much about ourselves. So remember, you know, all of this is fresh and new. You want time. Mm-hmm. Give yourself the gift of that. And with all of this, want to also situate ourselves in this moment and recognize how difficult and challenging this is too, right? Like we don't, I don't want to toxic positivity you into some sort of like healed version of yourself. Um, But instead say, it's really hard to look back on things that we've done that we are, we are really guilty about, right? It's really hard to, to look at past our past relationship and say like, oh, I wish to God that I had not done that thing or that I had done things really differently. Um, And it's a really hard place to be. So just to also offer you some love and some empathy to say, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're looking back on this with so much guilt and so much shame um, and recognize that it, it's so challenging to do that. And it, it's so heartbreaking in, in ways that aren't even about the breakup anymore, but our disappointment in ourselves can be such a a painful experience to go through. So I'm really sorry that you're going through that. And um, we're not saying these things about reframing and, and offering up different sort of ways to think because you're doing something wrong. We're offering them up as a way for you to find a way out of this hurt and pain that you're experiencing in this moment um, and how deeply real it is. Yes. Oh my God, time out though, when you were like, I don't want to toxic positive you. I like thought about like a superhero, you know, like how Two-Face fell into the vat of uh-huh, to- yeah. like poison, you know, like toxic sludge or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was a villain. I mean, <laughs> and what if there was like a toxic positivity villain that fell into a <laughs> vat of toxic positivity and then like came out and was like, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Just... Ooh, this is a great teaching moment for you. you How excited to... are you? <laughs> you just need to have a positive attitude. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's the super villain that I'm going to be for Halloween. Um, I love it. <laughs> you go as toxic okay. positivity. I'll go as toxic masculinity. It'll be a great time. Oh, my God. Perfect. <laughs> that is hysterical. Okay, my darling. Um, I hope you are no longer drowning in that guilt. Um, uh, we hope that this helps, and we love you very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something we think that you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with. Okay, so it is a TV show that I found on Showtime. I did like a temporary, I did like a 30 day free trial because I wanted to check out the Cosby documentary. We need to talk about Bill Cosby. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, I... I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, so maybe I will endorse that in a couple weeks. Okay. Maybe I won't. We'll see. But because I was like, (laughs) yeah, and because I was like, I need to break from this, I found this show on Showtime called Couples Therapy. Have you heard of it? No. Because I definitely have not heard of it, and there's two seasons out, and it... I am really into it. It is a documentary series following four couples as they seek help from a psychoanalyst, like a couples therapist. And huh. it's, so it's hundred, it's real. It's like a reality TV show without the, the 
fanfare and the and without like the gimmick or whatever you know like the thing and it's really vulnerable i mean it's straight there's like no script <laughs> there's obviously no script and it's just these sessions between these couples and this therapist and a couple things that i really love about it one it's just like beautifully filmed and the pacing is really good like as a as a filmed product it's really wonderfully produced and also it's i love watching the psychoanalyst work like the way that she affirms people's statements and tries to figure out what the truth is between these two couple or like what 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 is the message you're trying to say behind your statement you know right. and also how she like holds people accountable to maybe mis- intentionally misinterpreting one another and hmm. we also see the psychoanalyst um, meet with her clinical advisor and process the struggles she's having as a therapist, like in as a couples therapist, like saying, like, I'm really struggling with this partner because he seems really defensive and adverse to anything I say, you know, like, so you get this behind the scenes of couples therapy and these real couples from New York City and the surrounding area and their issues. Um, and it's anywhere. It's there. They've been together for three years to 23 years. There's a lesbian couple on there with um, a trans woman. Um, there's racial diversity and age diversity, which I really enjoy. Also, like the age of the I mean, like the age of the relationship to diversity mm-hmm. in that, which I appreciate. Um, and it's just been it's it's almost uncomfortable it's so vulnerable but like i just have really i i can't believe i didn't know about it yeah it sounds <laughs> um, it's really a, interesting it's a wild ride um it's not like you it's not like everybody asks us to talk about love is blind and you watch those shows and i don't and i don't have any feelings about that <laughs> i just like can't <laughs> handle them because they stress me out so much sure and this is similar because it's it is a reality show but it's it's just like deeply vulnerable and real <laughs> about couples therapy. So it's on Showtime. Get that 30 day free subscription with me <laughs> mm-hmm. and check it out or just pay for it or whatever. <laughs> and while you're, you got your 30 day subscription, also check out Yellow Jackets on Showtime. It's a, it's I've a, been meaning to it's watch a wild that. ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship meme, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can get our merchandise. Please remember to follow, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. This literally keeps the mics on. Oop. And consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music and his podcast, Finding Quantum Quest. And remember, while it's important to seek out discomfort, it is equally important to prioritize peace, gentleness, functionality, and understanding. 
Make sure you're having compassion for yourself in this very difficult journey that is life. We are all learning. We are all struggling. We are all thriving. We are all doing the best that we can with the knowledge and the tools that we have at this time. And if all else fails. Just break up. <laughs>